This morning, we're going to be in Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, if you don't know where that is, um, and it just, it's in the Old Testament. Um, it's back there a little bit, one of the minor prophets. If you struggle to find it, just go in the front of your Bible and look it up in the index. We don't spend a lot of time in Jonah, but we're going to, over the next number of weeks, be in the, the minor prophet Jonah, seeing what God has for us. And before we, we even begin to read, I want to ask you a key question, and the question would be this, and I want you to wrestle with this the whole morning as we look at Jonah, as we wrestle with the story of Jonah, and ultimately the defiance of Jonah, I want, you to, I want you to wrestle with this. Have you ever known exactly what God wanted you to do, but done the exact opposite? Just think about that for a moment. Maybe you have, uh, maybe you have uh, minor ways. Maybe every single day there's minor ways where you know exactly what God wants you to do, and you actually do the opposite of what God is asking you to do. Maybe you're someone like me who has major life stories in your, in your story and how it's been crafted where you knew exactly what God had for your life. You knew exactly what God wanted for your life and you decided to do the opposite. I mean, that question defines my college experience. Called into ministry as a young child, like in middle school, I knew that God called me to ministry and I wanted nothing to do with it. And even my college experience as my mom and dad Love the Lord, and God called me to be obedient and submissive to my parents, sent me to a school they thought was best for me. Even in those moments, I was, I was running the opposite direction from God as I went to a very strict private Bible school. And man, I wanted to, in every moment, like when there's a sign that says, wet paint, don't touch, I wanted to touch it. <laughs> I wanted to do the exact opposite of what God wanted me to do. And man, my college years are defined by defiance where I wanted nothing to do with what God wanted for my life. Ultimately, getting kicked out of Bible school the first time. Um, I went home, and my, my life was kind of turned upside down as my mom and dad had left the church that I'd been going to for my entire life. That was my life, uh, everything I knew, to a little, little, little church in Imlay City, in rural Imlay City, north of here. And I'll never forget this moment as I walked into this little rural church for the first Sunday with my mom and dad, just getting kicked out of Bible school. You're not like the prized child of your parents when that happens. I'll just give you a heads up. And I walk into this little church to this pastor I've never met before in my life. He shook my hand and he asked me one question. He said, when are you going to stop running from God? And I looked at him and I wanted to be like, who the heck are you? <laughs> like, I don't know you. You don't know me. Like, we've never had a conversation before, and the first thing you're going to ask me is, when are you going to stop running from God? But I never forgot that question. And over the course of a number of months, God totally radically changed my life with the help of that pastor who's still a pastor uh, today. And it's interesting, you might have something similar in your own life. Small ways, big ways, where we know exactly what God wants for our life, and we actually choose to do the opposite. And when we look at the, the story of Jonah, when you look at the book of Jonah, that's what you see. You see the story of this individual. It's only four chapters long. It's named after the prophet Jonah. And Jonah was in defiance of God. He was at odds with God. That is our series, Jonah at odds with God. As you read through the story, you'll find over and over again where he is at odds with God. And what I love and what's going to be fascinating and fun is that within the book of Jonah, the truths are timeless. 
They're timeless. As we look and go throughout the entire story, you'll find yourself in the story. Time and time again, whether it's in Jonah, whether it's in the people of Nineveh, whether it's some men on a ship where Jonah is trying to escape, we will find ourselves over and over again in the story. But before we jump in today, I just want to deal with a couple of issues within this particular book, some misconceptions, uh, potentially. Um, one of them is that many, or not many, excuse me, some believe that isn't the story nothing more than some conjured up Jewish parable meant to teach something. Meaning that it's not necessarily a real story. It's just some parable that is, that is to be taught, so it teaches people some principles about life. And I want to remind you that, no, that's, that's not true, that Jonah's actually a historical book. It's a historical account. That means it actually happened in a real time, in a real place. I know that it involves a big fish that a grown man was swallowed and left in for three days. I know it involves a a giant plant that grows really, really quick overnight and a really hungry worm. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. That means you probably haven't read the book of Jonah. And it's funny how we do this within Christianity, right? Like, there's no way a man could live in a whale for three days, but we believe a man died and rose again from the grave. We believe that God parted a sea and people walked across on dry land. Like, there's many things about what we believe within the Christian faith that are audacious. Why? Because we serve an audacious God who does the miraculous. Right? There's some other things that that, that it looks at that... Maybe we look at that the primary thing within the book is about Jonah. Can I tell you just some good reading skills within Scripture? It's not, just like every other prophetic book in the Old Testament, it's not about the prophet. It's ultimately about God. What we can learn about God, God's compassion, his salvation, his patience, his mission, his love, his mercy with the prophet and with the people. And ultimately, it's not a confrontation between Jonah and some whale that gets all of the headlines. At the end of the day, it's really a confrontation between Jonah and God throughout the book. And I don't want to ruin anybody's like flannel graph history when they were a little kid. But like at the end of the day, there is within the Jewish language a a word for whale and it wasn't used. It, It says a giant fish or a great fish. I don't want to ruin your childhood, the coloring book things that you colored. There's this big whale and... He didn't stay in a whale. It was a large fish. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it wasn't a whale. It was a fish. Um, But throughout the story, we see that Jonah is in defiance of God, at odds with God. And that's exactly what we see in our text today, that defiance gets us nowhere. It got Jonah nowhere. And as you read the scriptures today, as we talk about the scriptures today, I want you to see this. Other times, I'm going to ask you to find yourself maybe in the Ninevites. Other times, I might ask you to find yourself in the men on the ship. But today, I want you to find yourself solely within the prophet Jonah and see his defiance towards God and how it got him nowhere and see within yourself as you you live everyday life, how your defiance to God gets you nowhere. Only running the other direction from God. And we're just going to look at today in three verses what defiance looks like. And hopefully, as we look in the mirror, in the prophet of jo- in Jonah, the prophet, we'll see maybe our own defiance and what it looks like. And so, let's just read the text with us together, and we see first that... Um, that Jonah's thought process was, I'm God's servant and I know what God wants. That's the beginning of defiance. You actually know what God wants. You can't defy against something you don't know. And so Jonah knows, I'm God's servant. 
And I know what God wants. Look what it says in verse 1 of Jonah 1. 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, pretty straightforward, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. I'm going to struggle to say that all morning. It's fine. Rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he knows exactly what God wants him to do. Rise up. Verses 1 and 2 gives us exactly the mission God gave to Jonah. And then in verse 3 gives us Jonah's response, which is ultimately defiance. And so just do some, some beginning groundwork. Jonah is a prophet, and the, the job of a prophet was to do this. Speak, speak God's authority, excuse me, speak God's word with authority for God's people. So the prophet's job was to tell the people of God what was God saying. To speak the word of God with the authority of God for the people of God. That was the, the job of a prophet. And you might say, why are you tell me that? Because it's going to come up later, some reasons why we have to understand that. So as a prophet, he's called to go and preach repentance to the Ninevites. Now, I just want to remind us, as we find ourselves within the story and find ourselves within Jonah, I want to tell you, you have the same job today. As a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, whether you're here or watching online, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you've been given the authority of God. Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me. Then he looks at his disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples with the authority I've given you. So we have the same job today as disciples. We have the word of God and the authority of God to take to the people of God, other than it's not just the people of God. Now it's the ends of the earth. It's the world. It's the people we interact with every single day. But there's this amazing little conjunction. One of my favorite words in all the Bible is but. One T but. It's critical. It says, arise, go. But it says, but Jonah, but Jonah rose to flee, to defy God. He, he knew what he was ultimately supposed to do. Did you know that Jonah is the only recorded prophet in all of Scripture that, def, that, that thought it was a wise decision to defy God? I mean, there's a bunch of them that, that, that wrestle with God, right? Moses, he hesitates with God. Jeremiah questions what God does. Elijah is scared to do what God says. But Jonah's the only one who is, the, who is audacious enough to outright defy God. And before we go any further, I just want to ask you, how many of you in your lives, you think back maybe in the last week, month, years, it might be something daily where you know exactly what God wants for your life, but, I'm really good at making excuses, but, God, I, I won't have the right words to say. But, God, I don't, I don't have the finances to, to ultimately do that. But, God, I have to have a career. But, like, God, this feels good. But, and we explain away, we reason away, we convince ourselves that ultimately this is what God is okay with. But we know ultimately God has something different for us. It happens all of the time. But I'll tell you this. When a word comes from the Lord, when we read in the scriptures, there's only two options, obedience or defiance. There is no in-between. There's no like, a, I'm kind of in, God. I'm kind of obeying you. I'm kind of not. No, no. Jonah knew he had just two decisions, fully obey the Lord or run in the opposite direction. He chose to run in the other direction as he says that he's trying to flee to, from the presence of God. 
Can I just give you, this is free. You cannot flee from the presence of God. Let's take that home today. If you, you remember nothing else, Jonah learns the hard way, and I pray that you don't have to learn the hard way, that we don't learn the hard way, that, men, we can't run from God. We can't flee the presence of God. We're talking about the author and creator and sustainer of all things, and Jonah thinks that he can run in the opposite direction and flee from the presence of God. Can I tell you, oftentimes we do the same thing. We might be like, Jonah's such an idiot. But we're like, no one's home. No one will know. No one knows my financials. financials. No, no, no. We explain all the time, like, like we think that we're running from the presence of God, but the presence of God is with us always. And God's message is super clear to him. Arise, go to Nineveh, in verse 2, that great city, and call out against it. So, so Nineveh was a part of the, the Assyrian empire, and God makes it super clear what he wants Jonah to do. Go and preach repentance, ultimately. Repent. What you'll see later on in the series is he's saying, go to that place and repent. You have like 40 days, or God's wrath is going to be poured on the city, that you better repent. They don't need 40 days, ultimately, but that's what he's called to do. But, but the question is, why do you think Jonah's so bothered by this? Why is Jonah like, I am not doing that. So let's go back to what a prophet did. Remember, a prophet speaks God's word with God's authority for God's people. The Assyrians weren't God's people. They couldn't be, I mean, right? They were the enemies, literally, of the people of God to to Israel. They were enemies. He's saying, man, this wasn't in the job description. This isn't what I signed up for. God couldn't be asking me to do that, could he? But the way God works, God always asks a thing that we ultimately think he won't. And God's asked him to do exactly that. And what does he say in verse, the second half of verse 2, he says, For there, the Ninevites, evil has come up before me. Meaning that like the evil of this, this city, of this people, has gotten so great that it's come up before the Lord. Man, for you that have been longtime followers of Jesus and you've read the Bible a lot, does that sound familiar at all? And you, you can read. I'll just point it out for you. In Genesis 18, 20, this is what it says. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, a pretty famous city that God wiped out, is great, and their sin is very grave. These are pretty evil people. I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that what? Has come up to me, has come to me, come before me. And if not, I will no. Same language, equally as evil and, and horrible of type of people, the way that they're living, and it's come up before the Lord. So what does God do? Does he send Abraham down there to preach repentance to Sodom and Gomorrah? No. Why? Because in that instance, God's mercy has come to an end for the people there. Nineveh was similar, brutal, violent, wicked people. But instead, God said to Abraham and Lot, get out of the city before I destroy this place. But to Jonah, he says, get up, go to Nineveh, preach repentance. Man, I'll tell you just for a moment, in some instances, he might tell you to do something that he's not telling your neighbor to do. 
In the sovereignty of God, God might tell you to walk in one direction and tell another person to walk in a different direction. God might allow in your life to walk through sickness and hardship, and he might let another person walk through prosperity and goodness. Is God good the same in both? Yes. And God's plan is different. And in the back of Jonah's mind, he knows Man, if I go preach repentance, that means the people might actually repent. And he knows that if the Ninevites actually repent, that God is so good that he will forgive them. And at the end of the day, Jonah does not want them forgiven. Jonah wants them destroyed. They're the enemies of God. He can't come to grips with the fact, the reality that God would show mercy to the Ninevites so he gets angry and he doesn't want God's mercy. And he's not happy with what he's been told and who he's been told to go and declare it to. And I'll tell you, maybe today as you sit here, maybe you're not real happy with the message that God has given you. You're not real happy, man. Offer them forgiveness. Share the gospel with your neighbor. All of the many things that God, we know that God tells us to do all the time and we're confronted with either on Sunday mornings or in our private time in the scripture. And and, man, we wrestle with it. I'll bet you if I was able to sit down with everyone in this room and we just had a conversation, just candid conversation, there'd be several things in your life that you know for certain God is asking you to do, but you are not willing to step into. I'll guarantee it. They might be little things. Like, man, God just wants to spend time with you, which I would say is not a little thing. They might be big things that God wants us to be generous people with all that he's given us. It might be big things like, some, some things we call big things within Christendom because we compartmentalize them like these ones are good, these ones are not so good. Like God's okay with these little sins, but he's not okay with these big sins. But I promise you there's things in our life that we're in outright defiance to God and unwilling to give up. And we just say, but, like, but does God really care that much if I cheat a little of my taxes? But does God really care about what I'm looking at? And the lust of my own mind is not hurting anyone. But, but does God care that I'm like talking about that person and what they're going through with this other Christian because I like to be in the know and I like to have all the, the, the stuff? But does God really? And we stand in defiance of what God has for us. You see, defiance starts with knowing what God wants from us as his servant and what God wants. And in Jonah 1.3, look what it says. But Jonah arose and fleed to Tarshish from the presence of God. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Pretty fascinating. He runs the other direction. He, repel, he rebels and actually defies against God, even in the direction that he runs. So I want him to throw a, a, a map up on the screen. I want you to get an idea of what rebellion looks like, defiance looks like. So you'll see there, Joppa is where he's going to get on a ship, right? Now, if he was to go to Nineveh, it would be about a three-month trip there on the right side, top right. It'd be about five to 600 miles for him to get from Joppa to Nineveh, about three months. So he has three months going the way that God told him to. 
And, and if you look, he's heading to Tarshish. It's the complete opposite direction. It's on the opposite. It's about 2,500 miles, and it would take upwards to a year to get there in their time. Can I tell you, look at that picture. That is a picture of defiance. God wants me to go right. I'm going left. And not only am I going the same exact distance left, I am going like five times the other way. I am running in the other direction. And this is exactly what he does. I wonder how many times as he's going down to Joppa, he might have had second thoughts saying, man, maybe this isn't the right decision. Turn around. We're talking about God here. But have you ever been there where you're going in the wrong direction and you just explain it away in your own mind? Yeah, but like this can't be what God wants. And what I find fascinating is when he gets to Joppa, it seems like all the doors are opening. Like, man, God must be in this. He gets to the dock, and when you know it, there's a ship ready to go. When he gets to the ship, there's still a ticket available. And man, how could this be? I have enough money to pay the fare. Like, it seems like, God, if we play that game with God, that every door keeps getting opened, in the story of Jonah, God would have been totally fine with him going to Joppa. Like, it seems like, man, the God is in this. We're good. And I can tell you right now, as a follower of Jesus, we can so easily be blinded into thinking that God has, is, is okay with our plans because everything seems like it's going together. Can I tell you, you can learn real quick, just because you're prosperous in life, it does not mean God is okay with the way you're living. We can look at our lives and be like, man, it just seems like God is doing everything Right. Can I tell you? It's an amazing day. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I hope you have amazing plans tonight to celebrate, scream, yell, and have a great time watching the biggest football game of the year. What's fascinating within football, I didn't play football, but there's these things called schemes, right? Where you're literally trying to deceive the other team. It's fascinating. Within Scripture, Jesus calls Satan what? The father of lies. In the Gospel of John, he says he's the father of lies. And later on, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against what? The schemes of the devil. Can I tell you? The devil knows you better than you know yourself. He knows exactly what you like, what you desire, where are the glitches in your armor. He knows exactly how to trip you up. He knows the scheme to play to trick you to go into the, the right direction. And he's doing it right before our eyes with Jonah. And so easily in our lives, we are tricked into thinking that God is with us as we run in ultimate defiance of him, explaining in our own mind that God is in it and God's okay with it and God doesn't care and God has grace for me. Ultimately, all the time, the Father of lies satan himself is not always rarely i would say in your life and in my life in the american pursuit of following jesus ever satan is standing in front of you dressed like a devil with a pitchfork no satan he's in the act of little subtle lies the twisting of scripture and the dulling of your conscience so that we think that ultimately we are in great standing with God. God's okay with my actions. God's okay with the way I'm living. God didn't really tell me to reach the world for Jesus. That's just what he said before he left. 
And we explain, like Jonah, while we're in outright defiance to God. It's amazing when you think about it. We can always twist the will of God to fit our flesh. I'll tell you this, if your heart is set on running from God, you can be sure you'll find everything you need to to do so. And myself is including. And when you look at Jonah, the end of the, the section, I mean, he just says, he flees from Tarshish, from the presence of God. In essence, Jonah says, I quit my job. I'm not doing it. I'm out. But the second half of defiance is not just knowing what God wants of you. It's I know what God wants, but I will not do it. I'm just not going to do it. I quit. I'm out. And did you notice? It's really fun to say. But did you notice the author says Tarshish three times? Try to say it three times real quick. Tarshish, Tarshish, Tarshish. Very challenging. One of the downsides of public speaking. But what does he keep seeing it? What does he keep repeating it for? It's, it's, it's because God wants us to see the outright defiance and rebellion. God said to go to Nineveh, and he keeps bringing it up, but he's going to Tarshish, Tarshish, Tarshish. He's going the other direction. He's running. I'm God's servant. I know what he wants, but I will not do it. He's showing his ultimate defiance. Man, but why wouldn't he go? Why wouldn't he go to Assyria, essentially, the Ninevites? What's the big problem he has with extending grace to non-believers, essentially, or the non-people of God? Essentially, for him, the enemy of God. When you look in the backstory, man, uh, could have Jonah been a little bit racist? Like, I'm not going to those people? Sure. Could he have been a little bit like, no, I don't want to go that far? Sure. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, Jonah really is wrestling with what happens if they repent, God forgives them, the Assyrians who are our enemy, and the people of Israel at the time are living in rebellion towards God. What happens when those two things happen? In the Old Testament, you see, when God uses their enemies often to actually help restore Israel by taking them into captivity. So he's, he's wrestling, like, what if I teach and I, I, I share with these people and they actually repent? And he's, at the end of the day, wrestling with, am I more loyal to God than I am to my own people? I know what God wants, but I'm just not going to do it. So Jonah decides to defy God, to run the other direction, to run away from God. And so do you. And so do I. And so do we. So many times in life, and I guess where I'm at today is I just want us to really actually wrestle with, not just be like, yeah, Jim's got a story where he got kicked out of college. It was a pretty big defiance, sure. I could tell you a billion other stories in my life where I've lived in outright rebellion to God, defiance to God every single day in small ways when he gives me the opportunity to share the gospel with someone. And I'm a pastor and I struggled to do it in outright defiance where he, he tells me that this is the way I'm called to live as a husband and I choose not to. The way that I'm called to like minister and lead my family spiritually and even as the pastor, I wrestled to do it. And I live in outright defiance to God. And today, man, if you're a follower of Jesus, I can tell you today, as you pursue Jesus, 
If I do what God is asking of me, I won't, I won't be living in defiance. I'll actually live true to what God has for me. So if you're here and you're a young person, God is calling you ultimately to obey and respect your parents. But are you living that way? As husbands today, God is calling us to unconditionally love and sacrifice for our wives. Men in this room, are we living that way? Or is golf more important? Your career more important? As wives, we're called to love and respect our husbands. Are we living that way? Man, God has a lot to say about our work, our work ethic, forgiveness, our words, our money, about whether we should step into the waters of baptism after we've given our lives to Jesus. Man, the commitment to the church and being a part of the local body, not just attending. But are we living in outright defiance to what the word of God says because my lifestyle won't fit into that? The way that I like to live won't fit into that structure. And I'll tell you right now, none of us, myself included, I don't wake up each morning and be like, man, I'm looking forward to defy God today. No, it just happens. Because I'm Jonah and you're Jonah. We are Jonah. But can I tell you, there is one that was not Jonah. It's pretty amazing and fascinating. Do you know where Jonah was from? Maybe you don't. His hometown was about three miles northeast of Nazareth in an area called Galilee. Sound familiar? 780 years later, another prophet came from Galilee. And this Galilean prophet named Jesus in Matthew 12, 40 says this, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here, and his name is Jesus. The beauty of Jesus is that he is the greatest prophet that ever lived. Jonah might be on the lower end that defied God, but Jesus is the opposite. He never defied God. He was determined to go to Calvary. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, go preach to the world that we created. Go preach repentance to the people that will kill you and murder you and reject you. Go give your life to them. Your enemy, essentially, as we were enemies of God, as it says, and he did just that. He never ran in the other direction. He went, he preached, he died, and he ultimately gained victory over your defiance and my defiance. He gained victory for everyone because he was not defiant. He was obedient. He knew he was God's servant. He knew what God wanted, and he did it. As the great prophet that came from Galilee so we no longer have to live like Jonah. Amen? Because of Jesus, the greater prophet, we don't have to live in rebellion or in disregard to God. And today, if you're here or you're watching online and you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you've been forgiven of your defiance. Amen? Past, present, and future. But that doesn't mean I live in it. That means when I realize it, if I truly love the Lord, I repent of it, and I run back to the Lord. So instead of running to Tarshish, I run back to Nineveh in the way of God because we're empowered by the Spirit of Christ to serve God and understand what God wants and actually to pull it off and do it. And we're no longer slaves to our sin and our defiance. No, Jesus came to overcome 
our defiance. And he did just that. And I want to ask you today, whether you're here, you're watching online, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus? Have you laid your life down at the foot of Jesus who came as the greatest prophet ever, preached repentance, and then gave us a way to repent by giving his life on the cross? Man, if you haven't, today is your day. Respond to the word of God today and give your life to Jesus. If you don't know what that looks like, come talk with me. Drop a comment in the online. We would love to have a conversation about that. But if you have, Christ died so that you would be covered, not so that you keep living in defiance, but that so you could walk in freedom and obedience. So that I wouldn't live like Jonah, but I would live the opposite that we, as the people of God, can fulfill the calling that God has for us rather than live in direct defiance of him. Man, today, in big ways and small ways, and I asked you that at the very beginning because I want you to wrestle with it. What are the areas in your life or have you ever lived when you knew exactly what God wanted from you, but you did the opposite? Maybe you're here today, or you're watching online, and you're like, I'm living that way right now. I know exactly what God wants for my family. I just, I just can't get the strength or the wisdom to do it. Man, I know exactly what God wants for my marriage, but it's, just, it's really hard, Jim. I know exactly what God wants for my life and I know Jim talked at the beginning of the year of just being with God, not just doing stuff for God, but to be honest with you, I haven't spent any time with the Lord since the beginning of the year yet. I know exactly what God tells me about living in such a way that I would present the gospel to the world around me, but Jim, if I was just honest, I haven't shared the gospel or had a gospel conversation with anyone in years. And I mean, the list can go on and on, and you just, man as we as followers of Jesus just live in outright defiance of what God calls us to in obedience. Can I tell you, the beauty is that there's grace for you today. God has grace for you just like he did with Jonah. Uh, Jump ahead a little bit in the story. Jonah runs the opposite direction, gets thrown off of a ship and swallowed by a large fish. Not a whale, a fish. Can I tell you, that could have been the end of the story and I'd be like, man, that's a good story. Don't run from God. You get swallowed by a fish. (laughs) But what's beautiful is, it's not the end of the story. Why? Because God is good and he's gracious and he's merciful that when I run in defiance the other direction, he gives me a second chance. That's the beauty of the gospel is that it doesn't just end in my defiance. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus that in my defiance, God still meets me there to give me grace. And I tell you, if that, if that for me doesn't compel anyone, including myself, to at least pursue obedience, I don't know what will. Because even now, as we close out the service, the band's going to come, and we're going to sing a song. And you might be like, man, why on this Sunday are we singing a song, The Goodness of God? Closing by saying, God, you're so good. Like, why would we sing that song? Because he is. Because in my defiance even as a college student studying to be a pastor and running the other direction from God, God sends big fish to swallow us up and spit us back on the beach so he can meet us again there. Because God is so good that even in my defiance of 
Being a husband or a parent or a follower of Jesus or a pastor, God continues to meet me in the place where I am defiant and he calls me again because he's that good, he's that good, he's that good. So today, like that pastor asked me many years ago, I shake your hand today and say, when are you going to stop running from God? Let's pray together. God, thank you for your amazing goodness to us. The the beauty of your word, Lord. The power of your spirit that even in the moments where I am preaching, God, Holy Spirit, you show in my own heart where I am in defiance. You're that good that even as I am the messenger, you show me my brokenness and where I need to be thankful for your goodness and run back towards you. So God, would you do that today? Would you, would you move in our hearts and our lives? The people online, maybe they're just joining us just off the cuff. They just happened to land on our page and today you've met them there. Today, maybe someone's visiting or they've been coming for a long time and today you're meeting them in their defiance to you. God, would you lead and prod and guide us to repent and turn back in the other direction, to run towards you, to say, God, I am undeserving of it, but you are so good to me. And even as we sing in a moment, God, you're so good. As it says in the New Testament, may your mercy draw us to repentance. And may we, God, resettle our hearts and our minds today to put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil who wants to twist our minds and our hearts and your truth to be truth when in fact they're lies. And then may we fully turn in the other direction and run towards you, God. It's in your great and powerful name, the name of Jesus, the greatest prophet who came and died, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.